Hello everyone, it is 3 p.m. Chicago time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday the 26th of June 2018. I'm stuck at 2016 for some reason. Uh, today we're here for a Convergent Trader Spotlight with Aaron Fifield. Uh, he's the host of Chat with Traders and a former GQ model apparently. <laughs> um, the, the goal uh, today is to uh, get an understanding from Aaron about uh, the wealth of knowledge that he's picked up from his interviews and to see what we can assimilate into our own trading. A quick word on convergent trading. Convergent trading is basically uh, is essentially a virtual prop environment. There is no uh, we don't back traders or anything but my goal with Convergent is to recreate the proprietary trading environment uh, that I had here in Chicago, but to make it available to those who are serious about trading and want to be career professional traders. Uh, so there's a lot of discourse. Uh, the first phase of it is the member community, uh, and that includes the chat room, the continuous uh, study halls, uh, study sessions, stat sessions, impromptu webinars. Uh, these trader spotlights and so on and so forth. Um, the second phase is the actual trader development program where we would be putting uh, traders through a, a full-on course like we would have in a prop firm, uh, a proper uh, course, and and so on. Uh, what is a trader spotlight? Trader spotlight seeks to bring someone into the spotlight. Uh, that someone could be uh, an industry figure, or it could be a trader who may even be uh, just making the turn or somebody who is uh, approaching the market in a very unique way, and we spotlight what they're doing uh, just to continuously expand our horizon uh, of what is out there and what we can do for ourselves as traders. And the goal of today's event is really to gain as much as possible from Aaron's experience over the last three and a half, almost four years of um, you know being a trader for himself since 2012 uh, but also for uh, all the knowledge that he's gained from from interviewing uh, a huge number of, of people Aaron's background he took interest in trading in 2012 right. yeah disclaimer sorry disclaimer, disclaimer before we yeah, get I apologize I have to always read this disclaimer. Derivative trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Thank you. Um, Aaron took interest in trading in 2012. He launched Chat with Traders. You can find, find that at chatwithtraders.com in, in, in 2015. Aaron's goal with this podcast was to come into contact with experienced traders in the industry and to have an opportunity to pick their minds about trading. Uh, by the way, Aaron's podcast was the first podcast on trading I'd ever heard. Um, it, uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting to get an inside look of the mindset, the approach, and there's even some technical discussion of what algo traders or crypto traders or whatever are doing. I find it to be very, very rich in content. Uh, I definitely invite you to check out the website. The podcasts are absolutely free. They're there. You can access them from his website or through your favorite podcasting um, 
app uh, through iTunes and, and so on. Uh, Aaron has conducted over 162 full-featured in in-depth interviews with various candidates and amazingly has accomplished this in three and a half years. Let me bring Aaron on. Aaron, are you with us? I am, Mort. How you doing? Welcome aboard. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. I know it's very, very early there. What is it, 6, 6 a.m., something like that? I, yeah, it's just gone past 6 a.m., but uh, I'm, normally, I'm normally up around this time anyway, so uh, no stress. <laughs> Aaron's in Australia. So let's get going here and uh, shed some light on your background uh, and history. What got you interested in trading in the first place? I guess it was something I knew about, and when I say knew about, I mean I knew about this thing called the stock market, and that's pretty much where it ended. So I guess I was just curious to find out a little bit more about it. Uh, of course, it uh, kind of got the idea that you know people could make money from investing in companies, and uh, as I started to try and learn a bit more about it, I just naturally gravitated towards trading rather than uh, investing, although both appeal to me nowadays. Uh, and I guess, yeah, it was just a little curiosity to begin with. And then over time, it sort of developed into more of an obsession. And, uh, you know, over the years, it's become more and more of my focus. Just to follow up to that, was there like a figure or somebody who... Um, who you knew who was already into it that uh, got you into it or was it something that you just simply found on your own? No, it was more a thing. So, I mean, anyone who's uh, heard my story before has probably heard me say this, but, you know, I bought an investment property when I was quite young. Uh, I was about 20 years old and I sort of figured, okay, what do wealthy people do? They invest in property and they invest in the stock market or the share market. And so I was like, okay, I've got my foot in the door of the property game. I should find out a little bit more about how to do the stock market. So I think that's where it came from. But no, I didn't know anyone who was involved in it. Thinking back when I was probably about... 15 and the in the you know I just started working and one of the guys who I worked with I remember he would occasionally tell me about how he had some shares in these these blue chip stocks and how I mean I'm not sure how well he knew or how much he knew what he was doing uh, but it, it seemed kind of bizarre to me that he could invest in these companies and it almost seemed like a bit of a punt as well <laughs> yeah because uh, he didn't really I don't know, he didn't have much of a strategy and I, I didn't really know what questions to ask him and he was just sort of a, a mum and dad investor. But I guess, you know, that that might have had something to do with it as well. But, uh, yeah, I think I think the idea of, you know, trying to put some money to work in real estate and also the stock market kind of appealed to me and that's what initially got me interested. Okay, great. How did you come up with the idea for Chat with Traders? What motivates, motivated you to go out and seek out people to interview? I mean, it just seemed like a really fun thing to do. <laughs> so at the time I was doing, uh, I was running a graphic and web design business and I, I was just kind of, I was pretty over it. And I, I thought about it one day and I was like, you know, 
I, I really enjoyed listening to podcasts and I'd always learned a lot from them. And I thought, you know, there is no way I could do a podcast about graphic and web design because I just wasn't passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I had no desire to speak to anyone who was like a, you know, leading the way in graphic design or web design or whatever it may be. Like it just, it was just kind of a job. I didn't really have much of an interest in it. I mean, I did when I first started it, but it, it became a bit mundane. Uh, and trading was something that I, I'd done a little bit of on the side and I, you know, read a few books about it and it kind of appealed to me. And I just thought, you know, it would be really cool and really fun and I would love to have these conversations with professionals in the field. And, you know, a lot of the people who I've had on the podcast, uh, well, some of them can be quite hard to contact and get in touch with. And I felt as though by starting a podcast, creating a platform, uh, it would give me some leverage to be able to speak to people who I otherwise might not have access to. And then, of course, share those conversations with other people who are interested in, in listening in. So. You know, I guess that's where it started from. It was just I had – it was a subject I was I had passion for, I was interested in, and I was curious and, and thirsty to know more about it. Do you do um, any uh, graphic design work or web work anymore, or is uh, trading and the podcast occupying all of your time now? Yeah, I, I let that go a few years ago, uh, right. so that, that was nice. Um, I think I, I, I was doing it. For the first year of the podcast, so I started the podcast in 2015. Uh, there was kind of that overlap period, uh, but by the end of 2015, the the podcast had sort of grown to a level where, if I was to uh, have sponsors on the episode, uh, that would kind of replace or you know substitute my income uh, from design work and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, so since then it was just been the podcast. Very cool. Have you found that podcasting is a good medium to connect with connect with traders? If so, why? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of a, a lot of great benefits that come from doing it. I mean, first of all, by by having the podcast, that kind of gave me an excuse and a platform, like I mentioned, to be able to speak with other traders. Uh, sort of was, I guess, a bit of a point of difference. Uh, but I think there's a lot of great benefits that come from doing the podcast. Um, you know, for myself, it certainly opens up some opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm trader manager at a, a proprietary trading firm in Sydney now. Uh, I mean, that wouldn't have come about if it wasn't for the podcast. Uh, but it also open, opens up a lot of opportunities for the guests, which I've had on. Um, and, and also, I think it creates a sense of community. Uh, I mean, this is probably something I I haven't uh, pushed to its full potential, but, you know, like the, the couple live podcast events I've done, I just did one recently, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun. It gets, uh, you know, 100 and I think there's about 170 people there at the, the last event. You know, it gets like industry professionals in a room. You've got a whole, you know, the whole... Um, the whole spectrum of traders, you've got traders who are just starting out, uh, you know, guys have been doing it for a few years, um, you know, industry professionals, you've got brokers, you've got heads of prop firms, you know, all in a room. So 
it, it creates a great sense of community and kind of connects a lot of people that way. So, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool in that sense. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question exactly or if I... Yeah, it, it seems um, to be... It does. It seems to be podcasting is becoming more and more relevant in our industry, whereas before podcasting was mostly <laughs> for political shows or hobbyists and, and things like that. But I, yeah, I do I find think, the, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think when I first started the podcast in 2015, I mean, a lot fewer people actually understood what a podcast was. And I mean, all it is is really just a, a piece of audio. But yeah, I remember having to try and explain what a podcast was to some of my friends and that type of thing when, you know, the, uh, I was telling them about how I was starting this podcast, etc. Yeah, well, the thing with podcasts that uh, I love is that they're portable. You can You can learn a whole lot while you're driving, running, working out, whatever. Uh, it, it makes it so that you don't have to be on the screen to actually gain something. How do you yeah. find your guests? Uh, that's a good question, and it's I don't really have a, a down-pat system for finding my guests. Uh, they sort of come from here, there, and everywhere. Uh, that might be I might you know read about them in a news article. Maybe it's a, a Bloomberg article or something like that. Uh, it might be a suggestion, so maybe someone I've had on previously will say, hey, I've got a buddy of mine who would make a really great guest on your show or something like that. It, so, you know, introductions, also suggestions from listeners. Uh, to be honest, I get a lot of suggestions which aren't great, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, as you could probably imagine, but uh, occasionally uh, there's, a, there's a diamond in the rough and... Uh, so, you know, sometimes through suggestions, uh, making me aware of people who otherwise probably wouldn't be aware of. Uh, I occasionally have someone who might be a listener of the podcast who's listened for a, a year or so and, you know, they just reach out to say, you know, enjoy your podcast, whatever. And, you know, if you're looking for a guest, I'd be willing to come on. My experience is this and that. Mm. Uh, also, uh, authors of... of some books I've read, uh, documentaries, for example, uh, you know, the, the documentary Wall Street Code. Have you seen that? Uh, I have not, and now I will. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it came out a few years ago. Um, it's available on YouTube. But, for example, I really enjoyed that documentary, and I've, I've since been able to interview a lot of the names which were featured in that documentary. Uh, there's, there's one person I'm actually sort of trying to get on the podcast at the moment, uh, I'm not having a great deal of success so far, but you know it, it takes a bit of persistence. Um, is Carson Block, uh, who I um, came across through the China Hustle documentary? Mm -hmm. uh, he's a sort of a, a quote-unquote activist short seller. Uh, I think he'd be really fascinating. Uh, blogs, Twitter, that sort of thing. So yeah, like I mentioned, it <laughs> really here, there, and everywhere. Very cool. I'm going to move this along just a little bit faster. What was the most mind-blowing interview you've had in terms of aha moments? I mean, you've done 160-plus interviews. Can you put a finger in? I know you don't want to discriminate among, amongst your uh, guests. It's like having children and being asked what your favorite is. 
But what to you personally was the interview that just blew you away? Like, oh my God, I never looked at trading this way, or I've never looked at uh, investing this way. Can you can you put a finger on that? Yeah, so I thought this question might come up. Um, it's very difficult to answer. Uh, you know, I think from each episode, and some more so than others, there's there's a certain something you get from that person. Like, that person has a thing. Uh, I guess maybe mind-blowing interview. I mean, I, I think... I might have to say Ed Thorpe. I don't know if it was many aha moments from it, but it was certainly a fascinating story and, a, and a, an amazing life that he's lived. Uh, Ed Thorpe, maybe Blair Hull has also done some some major things. Um, Tony Saliba, uh, you know, that dude's a boss. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, those are good. <laughs> yeah. We'll include those in the show notes on the podcast. We'll and and uh, on the web page, we'll include the links to those um, interviews as well. Cool. Uh, what five key ideas? And you can cut that down to three if it, if if it's racking your brain. What five key ideas or nuggets did you gain through your interviews that you believe everyone should should apply to their own? journey trading a journey what 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 key things that just keep recurring or you feel are just really important key nuggets that you picked up with regards to trading okay well last year i was actually asked to give a talk at uh an event here in australia uh which was put on by nick raj and I came up with a subject for the talk, and it was uh, six ways to emulate talented traders. So I'm going to reflect on that because you know I, I put a lot of thought and preparation into that talk, and I, I think these six points are, are fairly um, sound. So I'll, I'll, I'll add one to your five. Uh, the first one was to have an unstoppable demeanor. Two, play the long game. Three, know your strategy intimately. Four, trade with an edge. Five, manage your lifeblood. Risk. Stick to the game plan is number six. So, I mean, I think those six things, I know I just kind of ran through them there very briefly, and I'm happy to go into any of them a bit further if you'd like me to. But, you know, I, I think that sums it up <laughs> fairly well. Uh, you know, those are things... Those themes keep popping up time and time and time again uh, from the various people who I speak with. When you say unstoppable demeanor, would you equate that with the word grit? Absolutely, yeah. Is that the so same thing? Used, absolutely. So I actually used a, a quote uh, from an interview for each of those, and uh, the quote I had for... Uh, that one, it, it comes from Darren Reed, and he says, uh, the number one thing is grit. You need to be like a bulldog that gets his teeth around a bone and will not let go. Hmm. So essentially it means, you know, if you want to have any chance of making it as a trader, you have to be, you, exactly like I said, you have to have an unstoppable demeanor because, you know, time and time again, you're going to get, um, you're going to get knocked down. You need to, to keep pushing forward.
Absolutely. It's one of the key elements I look for in prop traders uh, for, for backing. How have these interviews shaped your own trading journey? It sounds like uh, there's been a huge amount of impact uh, from your podcast towards your uh, where you are now with this uh, prop shop that you're working with. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had did this live podcast uh, or this event uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I got a chance to speak with a lot of people, you know, beforehand and afterwards, and this is something that I got asked a couple of times and sort of made me think about it. I think what the what it has given me, it's given me, and I'd like to thank, you know, everyone who, who frequently listens to the podcast as well, a really solid understanding of how different traders actually make money in the markets and where they find an edge. And I think that's that's a good thing to have an understanding of as a trader, to kind of know how other participants are viewing markets, you know, where they see opportunity and, and how they're going about it. You know, you might not know the, the finite details of uh, their strategy, etc., but you you get an idea about where different people, um, how they make money. You mm -hmm. know, if someone is a, an equities day trader, for example, uh, you know, you kind of have a bit of an idea about how they make money. Like if they they maybe maybe they play catalysts, they're focusing on stocks and play. So you know, there's there's big news which is price sensitive. It's going to affect the stock price. Um, you know that might be their thing. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of going around in circles mm -hmm. here, but I think it's it's very valuable to understand how different participants are engaging in the market and where they're finding their opportunity. I think it's also, in some ways, removed doubt that it's possible to become a trader. Did you have a lot of doubt uh, when you got into this? Uh, I guess so. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot of doubt. I mean, I was, I'd like to think I was always fairly confident in my ability. I mean, I kind of looked at it as though, you know, you start any job or you start any career, you have no knowledge in that field. But once you do it for six months, 12 months, you know, two years, three years, you just kind of, begin to do it without even really thinking about what you're doing mm -hmm. to a certain extent. But it sort of almost becomes second nature. So I felt as though trading uh, maybe a little bit more difficult than what I just made it sound there, but, you know, along similar sort of lines. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, but the, the point I'm sort of making there is that a lot of people so many people I've spoken with, they all come from different backgrounds. They all approach the markets in different ways. So it just kind of, it's really made it, made it seem as though it's possible to, you know, be successful in the market, you know, regardless of where you've come from or that type of thing. So a lot of it's about process. Yeah. And it is, it's the process that ultimately provides results and the results, the extent of results that you get are a function of the edge that you are working in the markets. It's Those are tied together. It's, uh, But I know that many um, 
I came online about 10 years ago into this to, to get a glimpse of what's happening to online traders and what's called the retail um, part of the industry. And I was shocked to see how um, often people actually were, were doing this, were giving up a lot to do this, but they had no way to know that if it can really be done. So your yep. comment with regards to giving you the confidence that, hey, this can be done, it's really big for a lot of uh, members of the audience, I believe, uh, because there's always this doubt that this is a sucker's game. You can't really make money unless you're teaching or selling something. But, uh, the, you know, my, my effort has been to basically say, well, that's it's a function of what you put into it, and again, it's a function of your process and how you trade your edge. It's really a mental, a lot of it's a mental game. Um, yeah, and I mean, I've seen guys who make huge amounts of money, like I've seen it with my own eyes, and, you know, that they're no smarter than you and I. Um, a lot of them are just very diligent, focused, you know, they a lot of them follow those those six points I outlined earlier, and they... You know, they follow their process and they have, um, you know, a lot of discipline. Mm -hmm. We'll go into your trading style in a minute. Uh, we're wrapping up with the podcast. What areas of trading do you think should be put more in the spotlight for, uh, for traders? And I think you may have answered this with your six points, six ways to emulate successful traders that you discussed earlier. Do you have anything else, uh, any areas that you believe people should be made more aware of in the public yeah. in, in terms of, um, you know, improving their overall outcome? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple things I'd like to add. So, I mean, I think the the first one, and I know this is something you preach quite a bit, and I think when uh, when you were on Chat with Traders those couple of times, it's something that we also spoke about, is thinking probabilistically. And I think that's something which could possibly be talked more about amongst the trading community. Uh, so, so just having a basic understanding of probabilities, I think is gonna be very beneficial to you as a trader. Uh, and also what ties in with that is the having an understanding of the biases which traders are subject to, or um, you know, prone to be victim of. I think that's a big one. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll mention you in an episode if I, hey, sorry. I, I know I'm interrupting you, uh, but I just wanted to catch you right in that moment. Biases, can you give an example of a bias that you're referring to? In yeah, that, absolutely. In so, context? you know, an, an example in my trading the other day. So I was, I came in and, you know, I'd, I'd been doing all right the past few weeks and I figured I'm going to try and trade a little bit more size today. And I came in, first trade out of the gate, more size than, you know, not huge amount, and I'm not doing massive size, but it was bigger than I would normally trade, and it, it the trade went against me pretty quickly, and, uh, you know, I got stopped out, and it was a loss, it was a losing trade, and immediately I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have um, put so much size on that trade, maybe it wasn't a great setup, and, you know, I started to doubt myself a little bit um, until I sort of pulled myself into check. Uh, and it was like, you know, that that trade very easily could have gone in your favor. That And that could have, you know, I could have done very well on that trade and I would have felt like the man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I thought of, um, 
you know, something, and, and that's don't be a victim to a sample size of one. <laughs> uh, so pretty much when you put on a trade, I mean, it can be the best setup and it can have everything in its favour and it can still just not work. Um, so that, that's sort of what I mean by biases. And I also mean because my focus over the past couple of years has been a lot on the, the quantitative side of things, uh, like developing algos, etc. That's taught me a lot about biases as well. Uh, so, yeah, hold that thought though. We're going to get to that in just a minute. So the big just, thing you want to spotlight. Uh huh. Go ahead. Let me just add one thing there um, mm -hmm. because I, I think this will be helpful to um, sort of drive my point home. Uh, there's an episode I did with uh, Delaney McKenzie from uh, Quantopian. Uh, and maybe you can link to it in the show notes, but the episode's called You Don't Know How Wrong You Are. And the whole episode, we just talk about uh, different biases which traders can fall victim to. So I think that's one that's that's well worth listening to. Excellent. We will definitely link that in. Okay. Um, I believe this is the second to last question about the podcast segment. You've been setting up some uh, very successful meetups. I believe there was one in New York, and you've done one in Sydney, I believe. How is that going, and is, there, is that something you're developing as part of uh, what you're doing for, for, for your audience, or what's, what's going on there? So it kind of just seems like a fun thing to do. Uh, I like I did the first one in New York last year, and then I did another one in Sydney uh, towards the end of last year, and I did another one just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the way I see it is, it's just an extra level of engagement. So I've been doing the podcast for a bit over three years now, uh, almost three and a half years, and it was just kind of something new that I that I hadn't done before. Like I, I've also done a few meetups in the past, but I feel like this was you know, something that was a bit bit more, uh, it was better um, to do like a live podcast, you know, do an interview in front of an audience, etc. Uh, you know, have drinks like beers, pizza, etc. Like, you know, it's just a cool thing to do and it brings the community together. Um, you know, there, there are people who come to these events who trade at home alone, like they don't speak to anyone uh, who's also actively trading whereas they come along to an event like this and they actually have the opportunity to make some really solid connections with like you know professionals in the industry and other people who are trying to do similar things to them so mm -hmm. you know I think it creates a good opportunity and it's uh, a good opportunity for yeah people to connect and it's also you know it's a bit of fun yeah it's definitely a useful service i mean not to plug Convergent in the middle of your interview, but really that's what I'm after with Convergent Trading is bringing serious people together to kind of form a bond. And, and hopefully that yeah. grows, into, grows into, you know, accountability and things like that. It's, it's something that's uh, sorely needed. Let's get into mm. trading style. What are you currently trading? Okay, so there's kind of two parts to how I'm trading. So... Uh, with the firm, I'm trading uh, equities uh, on the Australian market, and my approach there is very discretionary. Uh, 
you know, I've not been doing it for a long time, uh, but it's it's very discretionary. It's very simple. There's nothing sophisticated there. Um, a lot of it is trying to be in the stocks which are going to move the most that day. So ideally, I'm looking for a catalyst of some sort. Uh, that might be, um, I don't know, a great earnings release. It might be uh, a takeover. It might be, you know, some sort of news which is price sensitive. The company might have had an example the other week. A uh, company had a contract for $180 million. Uh, something happened with the, the mining site. That contract lost half its value, was now only worth $90 million. Very bad news for the company. company opened down something like 20% and continued to run down for the rest of the day or for most of the day. That sort of thing is is beautiful because um, there's a lot of one-sided flow. Um, so, yeah, that's the sort of thing I'm doing there. Uh, it's just pretty much just watching price action, order flow, like market depth, etc. cetera, um, watching how price interacts around VWAP, uh, you know, important, just very basic levels, uh, and just trying to take a, a 1% to 2% move out of a stock. Um, just so... On the other... Just so we know, oh, yeah. do you go after a particular sector or, or is everything fair game for when you come in in terms of finding what equities you're going to trade for that day? Uh, most of it's fair game. I mean, I, I like to focus on stocks which are under $20, under 10 if possible. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Um, yeah you, you probably have some screening criteria anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I just like to see the stocks which are, you know, up or down most that day. Um, so I use real-time scanners for that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's also sort of a bit of an experimental phase, and I'm sort of, you know, learning a lot as I'm going as well. Mm-hmm. And in addition so, to that, you're also doing something else, right? Yeah, so in addition to that, I'm I, I'm now working uh, with a small team. So there, I've got one other guy who's here in Sydney, and uh, he's also a trader. And then I've got uh, two guys who I'm working with uh, who are actually in New York, and are both very strong developers. So you know, most will, will you know, I presume most will probably know I've I've been very interested in the algorithmic side of trading. And uh, that's sort of been my my key focus the past couple of years, uh, okay. and yeah, so I've started to put together a bit of a team because I feel like you know that's that's a way to take it to the next level. Uh, you know, these guys, you know, I I, I do know how to code, uh, but these guys um, uh, are certainly much better at it than I am. And something that might take me, you know. A week to put together is going to they'll do it in a day so it, it's sort of uh you know leveraging other people's skill sets um you know to um you know drive the team forward uh you know you don't have to be an expert at everything you know you can be good at one thing you bring it all together as a team and you're going to create something much bigger something much more scalable and I think it's um, I think this is going to be a game changer for for my own trading and you know for those involved. Mm. Excellent. As a back to being a 
a prop trader manager, a trader manager, what challenges are you facing in that role with prop traders? What are the big problems you're having or challenges that you're having, pain points? Um, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure if I have a, a great answer. Um, I mean, a lot of the traders who I deal with are experienced traders. So I guess uh, the firm I'm at, we're kind of a little bit unique in that sense, as though we don't really have many uh, traders who are, um, you know, who are just starting out. Most of these guys have been doing it for, for many years. Mm. Uh, you know, some of them are even old, old floor traders. Um, but I guess one of the challenges, uh, and this is probably a bit more specific to the Australian market, is uh, just there's, there's certain products that are commonly traded in Australia in, um, in, the, in the prop industry at least, uh, like bank bills, government bonds, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a very crowded, um, especially as those, uh, those products are tied to interest rates. Interest rates haven't been moving here in Australia for the past couple of years, so you know I, I know there's there's certainly some people who are doing it tough. Um, so I, I think maybe just the general market environment is is very difficult at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean I know. Yeah, I mean I, I think I'll probably leave it there. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> What do you think is the biggest obstacle facing traders in a, in a prop environment? Uh, having had experience in the environment that you're in, which is a mainly an equities-based environment, what are the big issues these traders have? Do you, would you say that it's the same answer? It's the fact the market is has low volatility and is very kind of controlled right now. Are there other issues that you believe traders struggle with uh, that, that you come into contact with? Yeah, so I might answer this. Um, I might answer that question like this. So, uh, you know, I I know of um, one of my mates, for example, um, is at a, a different firm, and um, he is more of a, a, a newer trader. And um, I was just catching up with him last week, and you know, he's been there for I don't know maybe nine months or so. And one of the big obstacles which he he has is just the fees and the the sort of the deal which he's been put on. Um, you know, for for some new traders coming into prop, might not be aware of the the particular fees and how the sort of deal structure can really actually affect um, your chance of making it as a trader. So, for example, there's desk fees. There is. Uh, you know, if you're trading in the office, and I believe some firms will even charge you desk fees if you're not trading in the office, which I can't quite get my head around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's also your your platform costs. Um, you know, uh, trading technologies or CQG or whatever platform you might be using uh, for futures, um, and then also the profit split. You know, is on a not not a great profit split. Um, so you add all those things up, you know, he's got to, uh, got to make a lot of money just to break even for the month. You know, the, 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 the rates he's paying, etc., aren't very favorable, quite expensive. Um, so you add all these things up and there's a lot of money. Well, you've got to make, you know, quite a bit of money before you can actually 
break even for the month and, and actually begin to make money. And then when you do make money, you've got to give half of that or however much to back to the firm. Um, you know, the firm I'm at is, is a little bit different in, in that regard. But, you know, this is, this is a common theme. Um, and I think a lot of maybe retail traders who aren't in the prop um, environment might not be aware of this, but it might be something they want to get into. So I think that's just a, a, something to to be aware of because that can certainly be a, a big obstacle for, for new traders coming into a prop environment is uh, making sure that you you do have um, you know a fair deal. Um, you know the fees aren't too high. You're on decent rates, etc. Obviously, as you make money, those those things become uh, start to lean more in your favour, but you've got, obviously got to get to that point where you, you are making money. So, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, a lot of these guys aren't on a salary either. So it's kind of a eat what you kill. Um, yeah. So. And that's common for prop. and But the upside of prop uh, is is also the, the access to this kind of professional environment to access to other traders who may be making money that, that, that can help you get over your hang-ups on whether or not you can make money. Uh, for me, going from wanting to be a trader to joining uh, an equities trading firm and coming in and actually seeing that some of these guys are walking away with, you know, net ten, tens of thousands of dollars, of course, you know, seems easy, but it's not. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that, that kind of offsets that, but it, it is definitely an expensive thing to take on and you have to be very careful of how your deal's structured. I, I get a lot of questions about deals, prop deals, because I ran a prop shop and uh, some of the deals I see, I, I would never sign. Uh, but you're right, there's a lot of overhead that needs to be overcome. It's an expensive uh, business depending on how you're set up, right? Yeah, I just think it's one thing that you should be mindful of and, uh, you know, if you are coming into propers, maybe just to think about, and I know it can be a little bit difficult to find out sort of what the what the going rate is or, you know, that sort of thing, what other firms are doing, but if you can, it's it's probably a good thing to, to try and find out. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so you already told us that uh, you're working on algo trading. What makes you, what got you into that? Um, is it because you felt that, uh, hey, I want to take my emotions out of this and we, I'd, I'd rather computerize this and just play the statistics? Or what, what led you to want to go from discretionary to algo? Yeah, so at the time when I, when I first started uh, thinking about, you know, maybe this was something I wanted to pursue further, uh, being algorithmic trading, is I had this idea for a strategy, you know, and this is a few years back. I had this idea for a strategy and I could pretty much write it down on paper. I could say, you know, when this happens and this happens and this happens, I want to do this, I want to manage the trade like this. So essentially like a, a very specific trading plan. And then it kind of occurred to me one day that if I had the ability to program, you know, to write code, I could probably actually put this, what I'd written down on paper into code and run that over historical data. And then it could actually tell me if what I was attempting to trade, did that work in the past? You know, in its most simplest form, I kind of had that realization. I was like, 
well, if that's possible to do, why am I not doing that? Instead, I'm continuing to put real money on the line every day and trying to sort of hope or, or think that, you know, that there is an edge to be had here. So that's kind of what got me into it. And then I guess one thing's led to another. Um, and I, I think nowadays it, it wasn't so much to try and take the emotion out of it. Um, I, for, for me, I don't think the emotional side of it has been um, something I've struggled with too much. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. I also think it's one of the things which really appeals to me nowadays about, um, or currently, about algorithmic trading is the fact that it's hugely scalable. So as a, as a you know, a click trader or, uh, you know, someone who's just trading what they see, you can only have your eyes on so many things at a time. Uh, whereas, you know, the, the technology, the data, and, you know, all those things which are available to us now, you know, it's, it's, it, it just seems crazy to me not to try and leverage all those things. Um, so I think it's a way to create... Um, something much bigger than yourself. Okay. Um, this is just a broad question just to get extract some of your thoughts uh, and experience. A scenario is uh, a very dear person to you, say your son, daughter, niece, nephew, somebody who's really important to you, comes to you and wants to learn to trade. What would you prescribe to them in order to make it as quick and productive as possible? What would you tell them to pursue or how should they pursue it in order to become a profitable trader? Yeah, this is, uh, this is funny you asked this actually because um, <laughs> someone um, who's, who's fairly close to me actually asked a, a similar question the other day uh, and I, I really had to think about how to, how to explain it. I mean, one of the first things I'd say is, you know, be prepared. You've just got to be prepared to lose money. <laughs> um, like, you know, coming into this, you're not going to be profitable from the get-go. So, you know, just understand it's 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 not going to come easy and it's something you're going to have to work at for a long time before you see any results. Um, but besides that, besides besides being a major buzzkill, um, I mean, I, I think at first of all, you've got to get a solid understanding of, of, of what is the market um, and, and that... What is the market? Um, you know, maybe some basic technical analysis. I don't really use technical analysis, but I think you know it's it's a good primer on on trading. Uh, maybe reading, uh, maybe market wizards. That's a cliche thing to say. Listen to mm-hmm. a couple of the interviews I've done. Uh, I think also, and this is maybe something I should have done a bit sooner, is actually just sit there and watch the order book. Um, whether you want to be, you know, an intraday trader, you want to be a scalper, or maybe you want to be a swing trader, just actually watching order flow, uh, I think, has huge benefits to actually understand what is a market. Like you can see, when you first come into trading, you just see numbers moving on a screen. But the more you watch it and get to actually understand what's going on behind those numbers, um, I think that's really key. 
whether you become a scalper or, or not, actually understanding what's going on, what's driving those numbers, you know, what are, what are the participants doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who's more aggressive? Um, you know, how does, how does price interact around certain levels, etc. So I think just a lot, get, first of all, getting some basic knowledge on the subject. I think then um, just putting in some screen time. You know, don't have to sit there and trade and fund an account right away. Just get some screen time. Um, I think, what else can you do? Um, you know, get a, get a demo account, trade that for a little bit, but I, I would say try and fund an account um, fairly quickly. Um, and when I say fairly quickly, I mean don't use demo for too long because it, it's just not the same. For me personally, I mean it might be different for others, but I just can't take it seriously if I'm trading on demo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you don't have to trade big size and try and hit home runs right away. In fact, I'd, I'd discourage that. So I think you've just got to focus, you know, put some just small amounts of money. I know that can be a little bit difficult to do in futures, but, you know, in equities, for example, you can buy one share. You can buy 10 shares, 100 shares, like very small amounts. Um, just yeah, as put long some real money on the line. so reasonable, right? Uh, as long yeah. as you have a good brokerage or commission deal, right? That's that's not that's be something. An yeah, that that's well worth pointing out also. Um, but just focus on trying to make good trades, and then once you begin to get a little bit of consistency, and and making good trades, not trying to make good money, just trying to make good trades, then you can begin to just do it a little bigger and do it a little bigger. And then you can, you know, just slowly but steadily scale up. Um, you know, you don't have to rush into it. Um, but I think, yeah, that's, that's you know, one of the things that you should be focusing on. I mean, that's one of the things I focus on, you know, most days is just trying to make good trades. Um, the process again. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, I'm going to back you up just a little bit with the algo trading. The fact that you moved over into algo trading, was that driven by a guest or someone uh, that had you thinking, man, you know, I should pursue that idea more seriously and really go after it and find coders and things like that? Or is it something you just always wanted to explore on your own? Uh, It definitely wasn't something I always wanted to explore. I mean, I didn't even know it existed before starting the podcast. Um, that's how naive I was. Um, so yeah, I, I think through doing the podcast, uh, it was something that I became aware of for sure. And I mean, I, you know, if I hadn't done the podcast, I probably would have become aware of it at some point as well, but it, it was new at me at the time I came across it. Um, so yeah, and it, it just made a lot of sense to me. Um, and I, I know, you know, some guys who make, um, serious money who, don't know the first thing about algo trading, so it's not something you have to do, but it's it's just one of those things which appealed to me, um, and I found it quite interesting, and yeah, I just wanted to um, go harder with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Supporting you, uh, what would uh, what? How can listeners support your show, uh, your trading, maybe? Um, 
what what steps can they take? Uh, we can always we can definitely provide them with the information and get in touch with you, but uh, I don't know what listeners can do to to support chat with traders and and push you towards your full potential. Anything in particular? <laughs> Uh, not really. I mean, the biggest thing is just check out the podcast if it, if you're interested in it. It's available on iTunes. It's available on Spotify. Uh, I believe uh, Google has a new podcast app, which has just come out in the, the past week or two. Uh, so I think that's available on Android. Um, you know, the podcast is available on YouTube. Uh, it's a SoundCloud. So, I mean, that's, you know, by listening to the podcast, that's that's. That's all I need. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Uh, that's all I had as far as questions. I did mesh in some questions that I got by email into the mix. Uh, Yoda, do we have anything we want to cover? Um, no. Uh, we just got a comment to love your podcast. Uh, funny that now that Murad's the interviewer, I think I found out about Murad from listening to the podcast so <laughs> somewhat incestuous <laughs> i don't know if there's any other questions anybody has uh, if so uh, here we go can you please ask uh more about crypto trading and arbitrage are you involved in that in any way uh aaron crypto arbitrage trading that so, sort of stuff <laughs> so i I, I bought some crypto just to uh, hodl. <laughs> um, How's that going? <laughs> the, uh, well, let's just put it this way. Um, I'm, I'm still green on, on most things. Um, so I bought sort of uh, early last year. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I didn't have enough money in it for it to become <laughs> life-changing uh, money. So I just kind of held it um yeah i don't care it's just a bit of fun it's just sitting there um you know it's not going to affect my life in any 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 way um yeah so i don't i've never traded uh cryptocurrencies um i uh you know you, sure you can make money doing that you can make money in stocks you can make money in futures i mean there's, there's opportunity all around um am i involved in any arbitrage no uh although it is, you know, we, we will be looking at some of those things, uh, the team I'm, I'm working with, um, probably not so much in crypto markets, but uh, equities and uh, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. More quant strategies. Are you mainly holding uh, main coins or altcoins in crypto? <laughs> Just Did the major ones. Just the main yeah, ones. Yeah, I, I wasn't brave enough to um, try my hand at any of those um <laughs> any of the, any of the shady coins that are around? <laughs> okay, I, I just didn't really get into the spaces that much. Um, you know, I, I've I've had a few guests on the podcast who are very much into it. Um, you know, I, I guess if you wanted to check out one episode on, on the subject, I'd, I'd recommend the episode with Bobby Cho uh, from uh, DRW Trading. So they're actually one of the, the biggest um, market makers in in Bitcoin. Interesting. Aaron, you have a uh, listener who listens regularly to your podcast and was just wondering if you can explain why some of your shows have been removed from your podcast alignment. Uh, so I've 
haven't removed any except one episode, uh, which was a very early episode, and that was removed at the request of uh, the guest who I had on that episode. Besides that, every episode's online. Mm. Do they feel that they uh, shared too much proprietary information, or they just didn't want to be in the public eye, maybe? Uh, I'm not sure on the reasons for it. I mean, I didn't really ask any questions. I just kind of respect their um, their, their request to do so. So, mm. you know, it's one episode out of 100 and, what, over 160. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, another listener is wondering if you've read the book on Jesse Livermore yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not read it. I've not read it. I kind of don't want to read it because everyone keeps telling me to read it. So I guess I'm a bit stubborn like that. Contrarian. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I'm always reading different bits and pieces. I don't really read that many trading books, to be honest. Um, one book I, I will recommend uh, because I, I think this was this really helped change uh, the way I think about things. Like often you read books and – you know, they might hype you up for a little bit or they might make you think differently for a little while, but it kind of fades. This book, I think, has had a lasting effect on me, and that's Fooled by Randomness by Nassim Taleb. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's that's a book I'd, I'd highly recommend you read. I mean, there's a lot of ego in the book, but, um, you know, <laughs> if you can look past that, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, – I just I, I like the way he thinks about things. Yeah, he uh, Talib uh, Nassim uh, Nassim Talib tends to want to bash somebody else when he writes. <laughs> he he's a very smart guy, though. Yeah, for sure. Do we have and he's else? also oh, go ahead. I was just going to say he's also an ex uh, options trader, so it's cool because there are a few trading references throughout the book, but it's not like a quote unquote trading book. Like it's not going to you know give you strategies or anything like that. It's just um. Pretty much what the title says, fooled by randomness. Yeah, it's a mindset thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Another comment. Love your show, Aaron. What would you advise for a person that's been trading for about eight months the ES Mini Futures and just can't seem to bust through to a profitable stage, seems to be stuck on fear of losing? Well, I mean, if if you're scared of losing money, I mean, obviously that's something you've got to get past and you've got to accept that it's, you are going to lose money as a trader. Like, the best traders lose money. Um, you know, hopefully they, they make money more times than they lose, but, um, you know, it's part of it. So I'd say maybe trade smaller or make sure that you're trading with money, which if you lose, uh, it's not going to it's not going to make any difference on your life. So, you know, don't trade with your, your life savings or whatever, you know put a couple grand in account or whatever's required, but make sure that, you know, that's not money that you need. Like if you were to lose all that money tomorrow, would your life be any different? Um, that's maybe the few things I'd suggest is trade with money you can afford to lose. Uh, don't worry about losing that money. I know it's easier said than done, but that's that's the truth. Uh, and also maybe trade a, a bit smaller if possible. Um, maybe even one thing to do is... Mm, more, you might be uh, more qualified to answer this question, but you know, I know with futures, um, sort of each tick has a higher tick value, um, has a higher value. Um, maybe you could trade 
uh, like an ETF or something like that. I don't know if that's a good mm-hmm. suggestion, but um, no, it's like true. FP- it's it's correct. You you want to depending on your account size, and it's a function of account size because you don't you don't want to risk so much per trade. And if your account's getting dwindled down to the point that every loss is now eating ten percent of your account, then fear is going to set in. But you know, the problem that's being shared here is a core issue for everybody, and I have talked about it quite a bit. There are many things you can do to help remedy this, but the bottom line is, just like Aaron was talking about, that one trade coming in, uh, he came in and he felt pretty confident and he decided to trade bigger size, and it's a trade that just didn't work. It may have made him feel like the man for the day, but it didn't work out, so he didn't feel like the man for the day. The fact (laughs) is, your very next trade has an equal probability of of winning and losing every single trade does because it's an infinite series that you're trading. It's not a closed series. It's simple statistics. Um, it sounds like you're not accepting the risk that you're taking and you're not accepting uh, or maybe not fully understanding or vetting out your actual plan because it shouldn't surprise you and it shouldn't bother you um, I'm saying shouldn't very, very lightly here with a heavy uh, bag of sugar, uh, salt on top of it. it. It's 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 hard to detach yourself from the emotional aspect, but understand a couple of things. And I don't care what you trade, whether it's real estate or cars or futures or stocks or options, that very next trade can work out or cannot work out. The outcome is absolutely and positively random for the particular outcome, not so for the series. So so it's really important for you to know that, hey, with my method, I have this likelihood over a series of 50 trades to be losing money on X amount. The bad news in this question is how much are you losing when you're losing? Because people who don't like to lose tend to defend their loss. And when you defend your loss, you feed it and you make it much worse. And this is a problem not just for you. This is a problem for professional prop traders when they're learning. And and floor traders who move to electronic have blown up, you know, millions of dollars trying to fight this demon. So it's just something you need to work through, and the only way around it is to just accept accept that your outcome is not going to be what, it, what you want it to be and to make sure you survive. That's the key element is to survive your losses because if you run out of money, then game over for you. You've got to go away. We need to wrap yeah. up. Uh, is there anything else, uh, Yoda? There's just one last quick question. Someone was asking about your prop trading firm and whether your traders in the prop firm are discretionary and or system traders. Um, uh, uh, both. Both. That is probably the simplest way to say it. Um, uh, there, there's certainly a lot of guys who are discretionary um, and there's also one side to the business which is more sort of technology heavy and um, sort of more algorithmic um but yeah there's there's many discretionary so it's a it's kind of a a blend of both Hmm. that's very common these days very cool we appreciate everybody coming in we definitely appreciate aaron taking the time this morning uh and hanging out with us from australia for an hour 
Thank you so much, Aaron, for uh, joining us in this interview. This will be available very soon via YouTube, podcasts, Facebook, all over the place. You'll be able to get a hold of it. There are some parts of the interview that I would definitely listen to again. I know I will, uh, especially the six ways to emulate successful traders. That was uh, excellent. We will include the, re the references, including the book reference in the show notes. Uh, and on the web page associated with this uh, interview. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, everybody, for joining. And thanks, Yoda, for moderating the questions for us. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. Cool. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks.